The room is relationships. The room is you and me and everyone in America. What are you talking about? Uh, the room is different cookie cutter、mm. from Hollywood. Yeah, man, you never know. People are very strange these days. What's going on? Welcome to the Room Minute, the podcast where we get obsessed with the cinematic classic, The Room, one minute at a time. You have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? Why are you so hysterical? We always wanted people actually talk about it. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh hi, Mark. Oh hi, Allison. Oh hi, Rob. Oh hi, listeners. We're here to talk about minute eighteen, our second sex scene in under twenty minutes. Yay us! Yay! <laughs> and more to come. We continue with、uh, Lisa and Mark kissing. Then Lisa gets Mark over to the stairs, and well, if you want details, I got them. But they—they they basically they're gonna have some、oh, stairs. Oh hi, oh hi, Marin. Hi, I, I baked a cake. Do you want some? Yes. Oh、sure. great! It'll go great with the song "You Are My Rose" performed by Kitcher Williams. Oh yes, love, love that song.、Yeah. I ordered a pizza too. We can、uh, we can have pizza and cake. <laughs> Thought ahead, already ordered it. I already ordered a pizza. <laughs> you know, you think of everything. You think about everything. <laughs> now, now does it have pineapple on it? <laughs> it does. Okay, never mind the pizza. That's not here yet. They're gonna have sex on the stairs. That's here's the important question: How's your sex life, Martin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had to think. I had to know that was coming at some point. Um, I I can't talk about it. Sorry. <laughs> Has it ever involved the stairs? That's the involved the stairs. stairs. Uh, I, you know, I don't think, I don't think I've ever had stairs sex. I. I think I'd. I'm. I'm trying to remember, but I think I would remember more clearly if I had. Um, it. It's never. I'm. I'm. I'm all about the. You know, comfort. <laughs> yes. You know, simple creature comforts. You know, I. I, I want to. If I want to be comfortable, and the stairs just aren't comfortable. You know, it's just. It might look cool on it. On you know, in your、uh, in your soft core Cinemax movies, but、uh, in real life, it's just kind of kind of you're gonna have a crick in your back after that. I don't. I don't want that. Especially on these stairs, because it's a little spiral staircase. Spiral staircase, yeah. The yeah, not not ideal. Now, four movies with sex scenes on stairs. I could only think of three. Well, three and a half. There's one in a history of violence. The, That's the one I thought Eva of. Mortensen and Maria Bello.、Uh, very rough compared to an earlier scene with the same couple. It's kind of setting up the difference in their relationship, so it works really well.、Hmm. But the point is, it's not a comfortable sex scene with the stairs.、Uh, the Thomas Crown Affair. With Rene Russo and Pierce Brosnan, which has some really weird cutaways、mm-hmm. to statues, and I think lame music, but the scene is still works really well. And one I rather like,、uh, Go, Timothy Oliphant and、uh, Katie Holmes have sex on the stairs. I I have not seen that one, but that was all I could think of. Oh, you haven't seen Go? That's a great movie. Check it out. It's a、uh, Doug Liman, like his first big movie,、Ooh. and it's basically、nice. the same night of these teenagers trying to buy and sell drugs, but it's told from three different perspectives. Because they're just trying、oh. to go over each other, because they get separated. Things weird things happen. Cool. So young Timothy Oliphant and Katie Holmes. Yeah. Oh, compared to like the Deadwood movie that was just on HBO, Timothy could now be his father. He's been around. And this is Katie Holmes when she was still on Dawson's Creek. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow.、Uh, and then my half of a movie, Viggo Mortensen again, has sex next to the stairs with Diane Lane in Unfaithful, but they never actually get onto the stairs. 
they stay standing. Adjacent to the stairs. Yeah. So th- this is kind of an awkward transition. I mean, a movie full of awkward transitions, but this one, uh, the music, the score composed by Milad and Milicevic kind of has a nice, like, it, it goes a little bit darker and it's like, oh, this is, this isn't good what's happening. This is, a uh, Mark is falling into her trap and it's going to have consequences, but then it just immediately cuts to your my rose, which is just like this. Oh, there. Yeah, now we're just having a, a sultry scene. It's very weird, and it just it gives me whiplash. Yeah, because the yeah the song is definitely the opposite feel. Yeah, it's like this is a nice romantic scene, and you get close ups on them, and she's pushing his shirt off, and then mistake when his shirt's still on his shoulder, and then she pushes it off again, and it's like lots of close ups. It's nice. I don't know. It's a playing with clothes, but not quite taking them off yet. Right. Right. I think it's Tommy Wiseau. So there's these these sex scenes that go on. And it plays like they're just in a softcore movie all of a sudden. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think that he thought that was, like, did he think that's what a sex scene was supposed to be in a movie? Or did he want to do something? Or was he, like, intentionally, like, oh, I want to make these kind of a, a little a little bonus for the the guy, you know, guys who want to get a little bit a uh, little bit horn on for when they're watching the movie. Like, just a little bit of a different, a different feel. I don't, I don't quite know. I would think it's what he wanted. And these were films, I don't know if this... When this one was filmed, I don't think it was filmed on that same final day as the ones with Johnny and Lacey. Mm-hmm. I'm actually curious now. I gotta double check Sandy Chaclair's book and see if he directed this one or if Johnny did, or if Tommy did. Because Tommy's in the bed are definitely that. He wants a certain weird soft core feel out of it. This scene, it doesn't fit, but if it's Sandy Chaclair, I think it would fit. Because he didn't like Tommy. It seems like he wouldn't have done that, made that choice, but this one is less uncomfortable than the other one, slightly. Well, Sandy Chaclair made a point, or claims in his book, um, yes, they directed the room, that he purposely would make the worst choice on a regular basis because he realized how horrible the script was. He's like, I, there's no way to make this good, so might as well just lean into it. That makes sense. Right. So the only thing he really did to improve things, well, he did two things. He often would rewrite dialogue slightly for the actors, this is the dialogue we get is the improved version a lot of the time, and he quit before filming the explicit sex mm-hmm. on the last day, so he wasn't there for that. Those were the things he did to make the film better because he didn't like Tommy and the way he treated people on set, or specifically how he treated uh, Juliet Danielle. Where the first time they filmed a kiss, Sandy Chaclair got mad at him and yelled at him. He's like, "If I see your tongue again, uh, I remember <laughs> what his threat was. Do you think it was kill him?" Oh God. <laughs> If he saw his uh, that gives me the, the, the shakes. It's kind of yeah, kind of a gross guy. Tell me why so that is. Yeah, interesting. Now, like, <laughs> so now there's a, this recent development. I don't know how recent. I, I, I'm not sure of the history, but uh, there are intimacy directors now for a lot of films and theater, and uh, how it's it's very much about uh, making everyone feel comfortable about what's happening on both sides, and and also giving it uh, a nice sort of dramatic dynamic. And, uh, you know, working on, uh, working with the characters on how they would do it. Yeah, I could have used that for this, for sure. Hindsight. Yeah, yeah, they just sort of set it up in a really, just make it as easy as possible. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm doing a play right now where we have an intimacy and fight director. And they're actually the same person. It's, uh, in Portland, uh, there's someone who's, uh, sort of made that their, their focus. And it's, it's cool to have that. Uh, I found the description from, uh, Sandisha Clare. It says, three days into the project, I received serious insight into Tommy's unique approach to sex during the drunk pizza eating I staged on the couch. 
When I asked Tommy to lean over and gently kiss Lisa on the cheek, he, and he's got a lot of writing here because he's trying to avoid describing me, he says, I saw enough of Tommy's tongue to last me several lifetimes. No. Uh, I believe I said something like, dude, the next time I see your tongue on camera, I'm going to chop it off. (laughs) Yeah. And in bold, he puts in the paragraph, uh, the writing was on the wall, no love scenes with Tommy without rules, boundaries, I will not direct pornography. Yeah, that's not good. You don't want to do something unexpected in that kind of that kind of scene. Well, so that's why I'm wondering if maybe Sandy directed this scene, and that's why it's it, a little bit more tasteful. Yeah, tasteful and inappropriately romantic, but tasteful. Yeah, not yeah. It looks. They, I would say they definitely uh, Julia Danielle and Greg Sestero look a little more comfortable. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's fair to assume that he he maybe he was the one who did this. Yeah, you don't have Tommy Wiseau walking around the set naked yeah. for this scene because that would be weird. <laughs> He's not in this scene. It is always a little gross to see a lot of tongue on film, like, but sometimes that's what you want, I guess. Like, for certain films, like, I, uh, um, I think of, like, there's a really gross sex scene in, um, Blue Steel between Clancy Brown and, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm. I think he, he, like, licks her belly or something, and it's, like, it's horrible, but, like, that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, that's the scene. But in this, I think Tommy Wiseau was probably trying to, like, no, this should be, like, a sexy scene. And that's what he does. I just imagine Tommy, like, directing behind the scenes and, like, the family guy scene where Peter's, like, naked on the scooter and he's like... We're going to need a few things for this class. An eagerness to learn, a thirst for knowledge. But one thing we won't need is this. That's right. I know you're all used to teachers wearing tuxedos and Dracula capes, but not this one. There will be no pretense in this classroom. There will only be open minds and new horizons. Get ready for adventure. I know some teachers think class should be an exercise in structure, but not Mr. Griffin. This is what my class will be. This, learn with me. Let's teach each other. Yay, learning. This is how I will teach my class. (laughs) Chris, A. (laughs) Meg, F. And Tommy's like running around naked on a scooter. For every scene, not just the sex scene. (laughs) That's how he directs. That's why his costumes are always like barely fitting, because he put them on right as the camera is on him. Um, in my notes, I put that in addition to the weird cuts with her playing with his shirt, then just as the chorus kicks in at the end of this minute, she's ignoring the shirt completely. So I like all the weird, uh, like what is clearly ADR sighing <laughs> that is going over the music as well. We're just kind of going, ah, ah. It's, it's like, well, we need to have some more of that in this just so we, uh, we understand that they're turned on. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta record that special. It always makes me laugh to imagine people like going in after the, you know, okay, we have to watch this scene now. I have to sort of do some vocals over this and just like sighing into the microphone in this like studio. The worst day of ADR ever. Probably wasn't even them though, right? Yeah, he gets like, I mean, maybe, but it's probably just like some voice doubles. (laughs) Yeah. Actually, whoever the, yeah, the first assistant was. Tommy probably would have demanded it be them. Or, yeah, he probably would have. I mean, he made all the actors stay on like, around the set at all times in case he needed them. And he could pay them, so... Uh Uh-huh. I I did have another note, and uh, maybe I'll I'll share one more detail of my sex life. Um, (laughs) Just a a little tidbit. Uh, She does kiss his beard a little bit, and that (laughs) really yucks me out. I I mean, he has a great beard. It looks great, but if there's one thing I I cannot handle, it's like getting hair in my mouth. so I just, I don't understand that motive, that why she would want to do that. She's obsessed with that beard, because Johnny doesn't have one. That's that's probably it. More of the symbolism. She's bored, she's bored of the clean-shavenness. Exactly. 
If Tommy would just grow a beard, it'd all be fine. Everything's gonna be fine. The whole thing's kind of cringe. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, and to cringe to cringe a little more, we'll get to notes for midnight screening. More kissing, so more um, eating. The om om om, and then the audience will chant, "Sex scene two, sex scene two. And once they're on the stairs, someone will point out that they dented the fucking rail because there is a dent in the railing. Although it's already there. It's like the dent in the rail. The room is taking on. It's like when the room is sort of taking on the uh, the, the conflict that's happening with the characters. It's being affected. <laughs> a living a living organism. Yeah, that dent is the dent in Lisa and, Tom, and uh, Johnny's relationship. See, it's a metaphor. It's the dent in Tommy's heart. Yeah. yeah. And just like the previous sex scene, the audience will attempt to clap along to the music and fail. Now, Murrin, it is Friday. Mm? Do you have a bad movie to tell us about? I know it. It all sounds like some bad movie. Bad movie of the week. Yes, I do. Uh, I, I'm really happy you have this as part of, as a, as a segment on the show. I, I, I definitely love talking about bad movies and watching them. And I, I, uh, I had to, um, I had to pick this one. It's, it's a movie that I do own on DVD. Uh, it's called Jim Cotta. <laughs> I think it's gained some notoriety from, uh, Alamo Draft House. Perhaps they've probably done screenings of it at this point. Um, it's wonderful. It stars, uh, a, a, a world champion gymnast, Kurt Thomas. From the 1985, uh, not an actor, very clearly not an actor, but someone thought it'd be a good idea to put him in, a, in an action movie, um, yeah. and sort of creating Jim Cotta, which is the, uh, the kill, it's the kill of karate and the thrill of gymnastics put in together, <laughs> which for him is basically like he does gymnastics and then people get in the way of his feet. Yeah. He doesn't really ever do karate, <laughs> but it's, it's a wonderful movie. Uh, I, I've watched it several times, um, it it's it starts off being kind of like a straightforward like oh this is a cheesy kind of martial arts but not even martial arts movie but then in the second half there's the game uh and the game takes place in a fictional middle eastern country called parmistan uh and he has to go play the game to get for the he's, he's working for the united states government at this point and he has to do that to, so that the country will give the government permission to have a base there or something it's it's completely ridiculous uh i highly recommend it um, I also recommend uh, checking out the trailer for Jim Cotta, which is about a minute long on YouTube. It's the greatest film trailer ever made. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it has this great voiceover of this guy talking about like, Jim Cotta. When the combustion meets an explosion, you get Jim Cotta. When gymnastics and karate are fused, the combustion becomes an explosion, and a new kind of martial arts superhero is born, Jim Cotta. And it, it's 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 fantastic. And I loved this movie when I was a kid. Awesome. It it is so cheesy, and it's kind of boring in the middle. Rewatching it now, but the beginning when he's running around the city and. The there's just randomly a pole for him to do some gymnastics tricks on. <laughs> it's perfect. And a pommel horse later. There's a pommel horse in the middle of a square. Later. Yeah, a pommel horse in the middle of the square. But the cool thing is I learned, like, watching it again recently and looking up some stuff to talk about it here, 
the move he does on the pommel horse is a move that was named after him. Oh, that's great. That's it's the Thomas the Thomas Flair, the thing where they kick the, their legs up and twirl around, is named after him. Good job, Tom. I don't know what they did on the pommel horse before that, but yeah. see, it's made to kick people. They just didn't realize. A it. great gymnast, not a great actor, but no. to to my entertainment. And it has cheesy romance out of nowhere. Yeah, my, my favorite, one of my favorite bits is in the beginning with the princess where she won't talk to him and he has to do like, <laughs> the, the backflips and then like pretends to like do her voice. Oh yeah. It's, that's very cringe, but in a very there's, entertaining way. There's a great moment. This is another bad movie they've watched on best of the worst. And they talk about that scene. They're like, wait, is this supposed to be charming? <laughs> I think so. It's so weird. But then later, she just does randomly just start talking to him for no reason when she's been deliberately being quiet for like half an hour of the movie. It's it's a great movie, listeners, and you should watch it at least once in your life. Yes, I've I've talked about it, and the trailer too. I, you should definitely check that out, and it'll make you want to watch the movie. I've I've um lately I've been putting together. Uh, I'm an actor and a voice actor. I'm starting to get into voice acting, and I've wanted to put together. Uh, voiceover reels. Um, I wanted to do just the voiceover for that trailer and do my do my my interpretation of it and have that be something on my uh, on my reel. I haven't done it yet, but nice. I'll have to get the, now. I got to get on if, it now. They're talking. If about you it, record it sometime it. soon, we'll stick it on here too. Yeah, that, that'll be my motivation. I'll, yeah, I'll get that done. I I love that even in the movie, part of the game is really dumb. It's like we're gonna climb across ropes and have ninjas shoot at you. Yeah, like. You can't dodge that if you're hanging on a rope. No, it, yeah, it's definitely... <laughs> the game doesn't make any sense. And then you have to go through the Village of the Crazies. Yeah, uh, which is a great location. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, And then you have the the leader of Parmistan is, feels like he's out of a comedy. It, it looks like Mel Brooks. Yeah. It looks like, oh, they did, did he, he's just using a different name for this movie? It's, it's, you think it's him, and it, it, it talks like him. It's very, it's so bizarre. But then it's just, that's just the guy <laughs> that they cast. Okay. Now that's another week of the room minute. Uh, Murrin, one more time. Where can the listeners uh, hear more of you? You've probably heard this in the last couple of minutes, unless you're listening to this out of order, which, you know, maybe you are. Point Break Minute, done with it. Check it out. All 122 episodes. Uh, and then soon to be coming is The Cast and the Furious with Jonathan Howell from Minute Impossible, which I'm really looking forward to, to getting, uh, getting on that. So it's not wrong when people make a fun of the project, in this case, The Room. The Room Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. Follow The Room Minute on all the obvious social media. If you've got any stupid comments after the show, you can leave them in your pocket on Facebook. If you like what you hear, throw us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. Thank you for listening. And remember, if a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live. Leave us!